see you. Uh, as you've heard, we're in a series on 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is a book in the Old Testament, and it talks about a really critical time in Israel's history where they were moving from a time of kind of disorder um, into a, in probably the pinnacle of their history. And it's at the time when uh, a man named David became king over Israel. And so uh, uh, all of this has been leading up to this moment where they have a king who's finally going to be the king that God has chosen and that uh, can lead them into that destiny that they always dreamed of having. Now, uh, leadership is a big deal. I would venture to say that if you were to trace any of the difficulties that you have in your life back to the source of that problem, it would be a leadership problem. That someone who isn't qualified is in charge of that moment. <clears throat> and the way that you get out of difficulties, the way that you move into the things that God has for you, is to make a shift of leadership. Leadership is always the point. I remember the first time I kind of had a, a boss outside of my family. We had a, we had a family business. Uh, I was working in a pulp mill in Port Alberni. And uh, I, had a, I had a foreman. And so I'm young and I'm keen, you know. And I'm just going to do whatever he says. And so I'll, I'll do a job and then I'll come back to him and say, what do I do next? And I remember him sitting down with me one day and he says, uh, let me explain to you how this works. Uh, if I don't see you, that's better. And uh, when you work really hard, it makes everybody else look bad. So I just want you to chill out a little and just uh, kind of fade into the background and everything will be just fine. I thought, all right, I can fade. But that leader set the tone of uh, uh, leaders just don't want to be bothered. That's what he told me. I remember a flash forward, I was, a, I was a shop teacher, and I remember the principal of the school. His name was Al Borma. He was incredible. He built community among the staff, deeply cared about the kids. He was a safe leader. And I remember a school being shaped simply by one person being who God had called them to be. Uh, if you look at your life, if you look at the office or wherever you work, I guarantee that it's leadership that is shaping those moments. Leadership is a big deal. Uh, spiritually, the same is true. Any difficulty in our life has to do with whether Jesus is leading that moment or we're leading that moment. And as we let Jesus lead the moment, it becomes a brand new kind of moment. Now, uh, what we see in 1 Samuel then is, first is, is Samuel is in this moment of uh, the previous king, Saul, is not doing well. God has rejected him as king. And uh, he's setting up a moment in which there's going to be this new and better king, King David. Now, you'd think that finding a better leader is just a great thing to do. It's just easy. You just find somebody better and put them in place. Well, Samuel had at least three problems in finding that better king and kind of moving toward anointing him as the king of Israel. And those three problems, I think, correspond to the three problems we might have as we choose Jesus to be our king. 
So I'm going to go through these three issues, uh, tie them into uh, your life, and hopefully that's going to be helpful for you. <clears throat> so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, that's where we are today, uh, this is what the Lord said to Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 16, verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Uh, stop grieving over the past. Fill your horn with oil. That means uh, get ready to anoint somebody. And be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. So what's the first problem, or I would say distraction, that Samuel has in finding this new and better king? And it's simply this sadness. Sadness overwhelmed him from being able to find a king that was better for himself and for his nation. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought, I haven't thought of it much, that the reason why we might struggle over Jesus being our Lord and following his leadership is because we're sad. Sadness just seems to be a reality that's just maybe something that we live with now and then or maybe chronically, but that to think that the reason why Samuel couldn't find a better king is because he's sad, grieved over what was and kind of couldn't get his way out of it. Maybe the same is true for you. What if sadness makes it difficult to acknowledge the, the presence of Jesus' leadership in your life? Sadness can kind of be a veil that makes it difficult to see where God is. Now, um, I think in our culture, emotions... Are, are highly exalted. And if you, if you talk to somebody and they say that they're angry or they're sad or they're confused, it's kind of like holy ground. You can't touch that. It's, uh, it's just the way it is and we need to respect that. But what we find here in verse 1 is God saying to Samuel, how long will you mourn? Uh, look, the primary problem in Israel is there's not a good king. And your mourning and grief and sadness is making it difficult for you to grab hold of what's going to save this nation. So, um, how does sadness make it difficult for you to see how Jesus can be your life leader? How does that work for you? Um, if you wake up in the morning and you're kind of discouraged, is that where it starts? That You go, you know, I mean, I'd like to acknowledge you as Lord. I, I, I mean, I know what it says in the Bible. I've read it. And, uh, and for sure that's true about you. But, but my sadness is just overwhelming me in this moment. And I can't see you. So what are you sad about that makes it difficult for you to see who God is? Are you sad about kind of your life situation? You're not living where you want to live. You don't have the job that you want to have. Uh, the people in your life are discouraging you. Those kinds of things can make it difficult for you to see who God is and who he wants to be in your life. And so we kind of say, look, um, uh, yeah, I know that you're God. I'm just feeling low right now. So I just want to work through this. And then when I finish working through this, I'll acknowledge you as Lord again. 
That was problem number one. Problem number two is in verse two. Uh, so uh, God says to Samuel, go anoint the new king, stop mourning about the past. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. What's the next reason why Samuel has for not anointing this new and better king? Is he's afraid. He's afraid of the existing powers of the day that are going to compete with this new king, and he doesn't want to be caught in the middle of that. Now, I think if there's anything that makes it difficult for us to receive Jesus as Lord, it's our fears. We're afraid of what that's going to mean. If I surrender my life, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they says, I know that Jesus is, is more powerful and more loving than anyone else. I know that. I know that I need that, but I'm afraid to give him control. I'm afraid of what it's going to imply. And what it might do is it might churn other people against me. It might ask things of me that I'm not willing to give up. Fear, next to sadness, becomes one of the, the, the main ways that it's difficult to receive Jesus as Lord of our life. So I would then ask you again, what would you be afraid of if you were to trust God more as the Lord of your life? What would you be afraid of? Are you afraid that he'd ask you to do something? Are you afraid that uh, there's other people who are going to now judge you or alienate you? Uh, if you talk about it at work, how's your boss? What's your boss going to think about that? Here's a big deal. The final one is, uh, so uh, he's sad. Saul's, uh, God says, look, don't dwell in your sadness. Go and find this new king. He says, yeah, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of uh, what could happen to me if this new king actually, if I associate myself with this new king. And he says, don't worry about that. Just do what I said. Go to Jesse, and I'm going to tell you what to do and who to anoint. So he goes to Jesse's uh, village. When Samuel goes to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king, he assumes it's one of the, uh, it's one of the older brothers. They ha uh, Jesse has seven sons. And so he goes, I think it's first of all to uh, uh, Eliab, and then, uh, no, I, I just lost his name, Abinadab, and then Shammah. And here's what he says in verse 7. This is what the Lord said to Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what's the third thing that distracted Samuel from being able to position this new king as Lord, as king over, uh, over Israel? It was his assumptions. Uh, he looked at what the old king was like. Saul was uh, handsome and tall and a warrior. And so he says, oh, I know, I know what Israel needs as a king. And, uh, and God says, you can't build off of your assumptions of what you think your country needs. I know what your country needs. And it's less about w the outward appearance and it's more about the heart. And so again, now this transfers to us. Uh, I wonder whether one of the primary um, difficulties that we have in, in submitting to Jesus as our king 
is that he doesn't meet our assumptions as to what we think we need a leader to be like. Uh, I think that we think that he should behave in certain ways. Uh, he should be more quick to answer our prayers. Uh, he should be more uh, physical. And he should be able to more directly meet our needs and comfort us and lead us. And it feels kind of tricky to submit to Jesus as our life leader. I wonder if we don't feel disappointed with God not meeting our expectations and assumptions of who we think he should be for us. And I think this is a big deal. I listen to people describe why they don't follow Jesus. And, uh, and it's, well, he's not who I imagined him to be. I was talking with a friend this week who, uh, who used to go to church a long time ago. And I said, so where is, you know, where is God in your life right now? How is your relationship with God? He says, non-existent. I said, so tell me about that. And so he describes, ah, I gave it a shot. I went to church a few times. It just wasn't working for me. Who I imagined, what I needed God to be, he just didn't live up to my expectations. And so really I decided that I would be a better leader of my life and I'm just going to do what I want when I want. So, uh, sadness, fear, and assumptions distract us from making Jesus our king. Now, if you were to look at those three things, uh, which would be most difficult for you? Is it sadness that overwhelms you, that you're discouraged, and so it's hard to kind of, it feels like you have to work up some energy in order to worship Jesus as your Lord? Is there things that you're afraid of, that if you were to surrender control to him, you're just not sure that you can entrust him with those things? Entrust him with your future or with things that have gone on in the past that have been difficult for you? Can you are you afraid that he won't be uh, who he needs to be? Are you afraid of what other people are going to think? Or do you have assumptions about who God is or who you want God to be in order for you to surrender your life to him? How do we overcome these obstacles? Now, it's interesting, when we look at uh, this passage in Scripture, what's interesting about this is each time Samuel has a problem, uh, God has the exact same answer. So he says, why are you mourning? Why are you sad? Go anoint him as king. He goes, yeah, okay. So we overcome that problem by just go and do what I said. Go and make David king. And then he says, but I'm afraid. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the village, and I want you to make David king. That's the answer. And then he says, okay, but I don't know who. I think it's who. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you who it is. Just go anoint him. Every single time it's, uh, he faces his sadness, his fears, or his assumptions, God has the exact same response. Honor and anoint the new king. That's just, that's just what you do. Uh, so God's answer to each distraction was the same. Rise and anoint him. It's like God is saying, Samuel, don't be distracted from this purpose. Now, uh, why anoint? The word anoint, I mean, we don't use that word, do we? It's a strange word. Here's what it simply means. It means set apart. So if you anoint something, you're setting it apart for a special purpose for God. That's what the word simply means. 
And so he says, what I want you to do is set David apart for the purposes that I have for him to lead a nation. If you set apart priests in the Old Testament, you set them apart for the purposes that God would have for them. So to anoint means to set apart. Now, what if this is true for us? In 1 Peter 3.15, it says, in your hearts, and this is the old NIV, uh, set apart Christ as Lord. In the new NIV, it says, revere him as Lord. In your hearts, revere or set apart Christ as Lord. Okay, we have been talking about this in a few different ways, and I would like to drive this home uh, this morning. Here's how I think we can view Christianity. It's a religion. We can view it like that. And uh, we're over here, and Jesus is Lord, and we want to somehow get to him. But there's some problems. We feel sad and overwhelmed by life. How am I supposed to worship and anoint Jesus as king of my life when I'm just so stuck in my sadness? I need to work through all that's wrong in my life, and then as I work that through, he'll be my king. Or I'm just riddled with fear and anxiety. How can I honor Jesus as king when I'm afraid of so many things? What I first need to do is I've got to work through all of my fears, and then the reward for being free of anxiety is Jesus will be my king. Or I have all of these assumptions of what I think God should be, and what I need to do is I need to work through them all. When I was five years old, I prayed and you disappointed me. Um, uh, something really negative happened in my, in my youth, and I'm still working that through. I don't know that I can trust you. And so I have to work that through, and if I work through my assumptions and find out what you were really thinking at that time, then I'll be able to establish you, anoint you as king of my heart. I don't think... That's what the Bible teaches. I don't think um, Jesus being Lord is the reward or the outcome of working through all of our personal problems. I think he loads lordship at the front end. And he says, you're sad? I really understand that. Make me king. Uh, you're afraid? I would be afraid too if you were in charge. Uh, uh, make me king. You misunderstand who I am? Make me king and find out who I am. Like whatever, the, whatever your problem is, the answer is always going to be to make me king. Like don't, don't work through the problem to make me king. Make me king in, in order to be free of that problem. Do you see the difference? It's so subtle, but it changes everything. I have this thought in my head that uh, God's requests of me are too simplistic. It's, uh, it's not nuanced enough. Um, you're unrealistic. Look, what, how am I supposed to change my, you know, I and make you king. It's make me king while you're sad. Make me king while you're afraid. Make me king while you misunderstand me. Start 
with that, don't end with that. So let me ask you, do you see Jesus being Lord of your life as a first step or a distant goal? Uh, which one is it? I think of the things that I struggle with in my life. And uh, my father is teaching me how to make lordship my first response to any emotion or trouble or misunderstanding that I have in my life. That that's the first thing that I need to do is I need to set apart Christ as Lord in my heart. And then here's what happens. Um, my sadness might not even go away, but it doesn't define me anymore. Uh, I might still feel threatened by the people around me. I still might have very legitimate fears, but I'm not defined by those fears anymore. I might still have questions about God. I've been a Christian for over 40 years, and I would say pretty much every day, I have a thought about God that isn't true. He seems far away. Seems like he doesn't care. He seems powerless. And I feel as though I, I should work that through. I don't need to work it through. I need to remember and anoint him as king of my heart. And when I do, I see him in a new way. Yeah, those, those questions still pop into my head, but they don't define me anymore. Because what defines me is a new and better king. Sadness is not worthy to be my king. Fears aren't worthy to be my king. And my assumptions and ideas aren't worthy to rule my heart. Jesus is worthy to rule my heart. I understand that this is such a simple way of approaching life. I get that. But I think it's what we need. I think it has to be this straightforward for us. Because as soon as we put something between us and King Jesus, it's our new idol. And it doesn't deserve to have that place in our heart. And the only way to overcome those idols is no longer put them between us and God, but to choose him first and then to deal with them in his leadership and power. Um, the result of Samuel being undistracted from those three things was there was a new king in Israel that was going to be the pinnacle of Israel's history. It was the best time in thousands of years. I think this could be true for us. Some of us went to, uh, went to hear an author and he has a podcast. His name is uh, Mark Sayers. And he's kind of a, uh, he provides, uh, he's a strong Christian who provides kind of social commentary on what's going on in society. And he looks at that and interprets it from, I think, a, an amazingly uh, godly point of view. And he said something that really struck me, and I wrote it down. <clears throat> it's about a, competing, about a competing king. And he said this, secularism which is this idea that God doesn't exist, uh, we don't need him, we can make it on our own. Uh, secularism is weaker than you think. 
So I think that Christians are quite insecure in the world. We feel kind of apologetic for worshiping, anointing Jesus as king. Because we look at people who anoint reason as king or positivity as king, uh, 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 being self-made is what I worship, and we find that intimidating. And it was so encouraging to hear somebody say uh, two things. First of all, secularism is weaker than you think. There's statistics that say that you know, our, our crime rate is going down. But we also know that our anxiety and fragmentation is dramatically increasing. <clears throat> Secularism isn't going to deliver what it promises. And then he said a second thing that I wanted to tell you today. He's, uh, he's from Australia. And, he's, and he simply said this. I was, he was on his way to New York. He says, uh, Father, uh, is there anything that you want me to do on my way to New York? He says, I want you to stop in Vancouver. And I'd like you to tell the church in Vancouver that you're uniquely positioned to experience the power and presence of God in your city and through the nations. And I wanted to tell you that today. That there is a king who is ruling on his throne and he's not insecure in Vancouver. He's not insecure in the midst of your sadness or your fears or your misunderstandings. He's not insecure about these things. He is alive and well, and he's moving forcefully in our city. And I pray that we as a church would have the grace to not be distracted, but to see what's really true. And it's simply this, Jesus is in charge. And so would you set him apart as that in your heart? And then you will discover that you'll be participating in a move of God like in the time of Samuel that transformed a nation. And I believe this is true for us. I really do. I don't think we have to overcome a whole bunch of other things. I think we need to walk now in what's already true about who Jesus is and honor him as Lord. Father, I pray for my friends here today that we would not worship our sadness or our fears or our assumptions, <coughs> that we would not negotiate with them and figure them out, and that we would simply do what you told Samuel. Go and anoint, set apart a better king. And so, Father, I pray that wherever people are struggling to do this, whether it's in their sexuality or their work or their hunger for success or their loneliness, Father, I pray in those places you would grant us the grace to set you apart, to revere you as Lord. And I thank you that as we do, all those other things find their rightful place in our heart because we're walking in the freedom that comes through surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.